Hello. I hello. Are you are you eating a cough drop while we're recording a podcast? No. <laughs> what are you eating? I'm not eating anything. Oh, okay. I heard a little of <laughs> the little I'm sucking on something. What are I'm you sucking suckling. on? On a cough drop? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's not eating. <laughs> You're really frustrating sometimes. What? what no, it's a solid and you are digesting it no, I'm not. in your mouth. The digestion process once the food passes the lips. No, you're thinking about mastication. You're masticating. I'm, I'm not ma- doing. Are you really masticating on this podcast? <laughs> That's gross. I'm not. All right, good. Um, we haven't uh, spoken in a while. Hello, everybody. Can you can you catch us up on why we were well, last week? I nearly passed out doing the workout that we had to do because I've been on. I've been now. Did you think you were going to pass out or throw up? I was closer to throwing up. Definitely closer okay. to throwing up. Okay. Um, but there was some wooziness and some lightheadedness. It was just all around not a good time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I laid down on your kitchen floor. Or after your, do- your, after dining your room shower. Floor, and I took a cold shower in your house, <laughs> which was weird, but very nice. And yes. thank you again for that. I think I thanked you like six times that night um, after you tried to kill me. <laughs> And nearly finally <laughs> succeeded. Uh, I've been in a I've been in a fitness competition mm-hmm. with some of our friends who I'm absolutely uh, roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're lying, unless that's their tactic, is they're just lying about how insane their progress is. Imagine been. they're bluffing just to make you take your foot off the gas. Here's the thing: I don't think they are, and I'm not taking my foot off the mm. gas because I told my other friend at my other job about this this workout challenge that I'm doing, and mm-hmm. then he challenged me separately. And he is beating me. So I've lost 10 pounds since July 1st. Mm-hmm. He has lost 13 as of yesterday. Mm. Uh, I don't know how much today. but um, So I've been eating much lighter than I normally do. I was pretty mm-hmm. hydrated. Mm-hmm. But it was very hot out. And we hadn't worked out in a few weeks. And you gave me a real tough one to, to get back in. In my defense, I didn't. I think the heat was just yeah. really high. It was really bad. I uh, the humidity was bad. What's the term? I bonked. I bonked on the. Uh, was that the last thing we were doing? Were we gonna do the sled and then come inside? Were we done? Or did I you don't have remember. More planned for us. I think that was it. I, I, I don't think remember. That was it. We usually end with the sled. I I bonked. I just literally gave up in the middle of a set. <laughs> I just said nope, and I put it down and and sat on the curb. Um, and just kind of woozed back and forth, sipped some water, slowly hobbled my way back inside. I was out of it. You could probably tell, but I was just like, I was doing everything I can to just stand up. You looked hot. I, I was hot. You I looked was overheating. overheating. You were like, was wow. I pale? No. I felt like that cold in my face. No, you looked with tired when you stopped in the middle of the street Yeah, on the hill Yeah, and you just stood up and you just went, huh. And I was like, that's why I said, Take a break. You can take a break. Take a break. And I said, but thank you going. Is, this isn't a break. Yeah. And that's I'm when done. you said, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, you can do it. And you're like, I don't know. Let me. And then I said, no. Yeah. Something, <laughs> something switched and yeah. you just, just stepped out of the belt. Yeah. Like, it's nope, called fight or flight. <laughs> and then I, we came inside. I got changed in the bathroom as I always do. It's very sweaty. I kind of just stood in the bathroom. I actually, I don't think I told you this. I splashed a bunch of cold water on my face in the mm-hmm. bathroom. Just splashing, splashing, splashing. Woke me up, you know, kind of rubbed it into my hair. Tried to wake myself up. Wasn't doing it. You Sa- were sleepy. 
I wouldn't call it sleepy. I think when you choke someone and they pass out, I wouldn't call them sleepy. <laughs> but I, I sat at the kitchen table, waited for you to make us our smoothies, just kept slumping. I got your liquid IV. You did get me a liquid IV, which I think is the thing that kicked me. I think that was it. I was better after the liquid IV. Like the, just that shock of salt and sugar and... Mm-hmm. And a, a very small amount of water for a liquid IV, but it was good because it was condensed. Yeah. Uh, I laid on your living room floor. You offered me a cold shower and I was like, no, don't be fucking weird. And then like 39 seconds later, I was like, can I have that cold shower? <laughs> Which helped significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so good. Um, and then, yeah, snapped me out of it. And then we just talked for like an hour because that. Oh, and you had a really bad cough that you wouldn't admit. <laughs> but me. And, and, and your lady friend downstairs for like, yeah, you can't record a podcast right now. Yeah. So it's been a few weeks and hello everybody. Thank you for listening. We're glad to have you here. We're glad to be back. Um, about, uh, right before July 4th, I went on vacation. I went on vacation to, uh, uh, the true North, the land of the true North where I saw some of my friends, Santa Claus. Yeah, and the land of Santa Claus and the true north has been having a lot of wildfires. Yeah. So uh, there was some smog poisoning in the air and uh, worst air quality on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I breathed it in for five days mm. and I basically got the smog flu. So um, I'm still coughing now. So if I cough throughout the, the episode, apologies. This is the best it's been in like a month. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that's how long it's been impacting me. And it was difficult to... Uh, talk yeah uh for the past few weeks yeah um and then i came back we were planning to do that wednesday upon my return and i was like no way dude i am not able to talk and he said okay next week and then next week rolled around and i still couldn't do it and then the week after that i think was what was last week that was last week yeah so we took three weeks off right it was canada and then you yep. called out because of the cough. Yep. And then I called you out because of the cough. Yes. <laughs> yes. Also because yes, yes. of my illness. Yeah. It's been three weeks. Sun-induced illness. But uh, here we are. We're back, baby. We're back. We have no secret invasion to talk about because we're both behind. I saw the first episode. <laughs> I saw the two episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's four or five out now. And the finale w- is next week. I will say this. It's only five episodes? Six. Six? I will say this. A lot of people have been shitting on it. Really? I've heard mostly good things. People, no, no, no. They're shitting on it for the effects. Oh. Not for the story. Yeah. The story, people like. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, Like the effects of like the scrolls or like the extra CGI stuff or... (coughs) Extra CGI stuff. I did hear kind of the opposite of... Really? Uh, it's uh, not the opposite, but the I, I one of my friends who's favorable about it or uh, likes it is kind of dunking on it because of how seldom the scrolls are actually shown as scrolls. They're just in their human form all the time. Cost like, for makeup. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, that's why. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but like it doesn't make any sense in the story. And it was like in episode one, they kind of explained it. It's like a hand, sorry, uh, hand wavy answer of just like, oh, the longer we stay in our human form, the better we are at tricking people that were humans it's like okay sure whatever yeah didn't have to say that in the comic books did you (laughs) no um i also think for the record what's his name (coughs) who's the good scroll ben mendelson ben mendelson you want to know what movie i watched on netflix this week that i forgot was a banger rogue one no what else is ben mendelson in uh ready player one nope oh oh this Um, is much older this is a 
peak movie from our childhood. I can't think of an old movie. Vertical Limit. Vertical Limit. Is that like a the uh, mountain climber ones? Bill Paxton, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben Mendelsohn's in it? Yep. Wow. Yep. He's one of the Australian, Australian men. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I saw him on screen. His first showing, he's sun tanning in a chair with a shirt off on the mountain. Hell, yeah. And I went, he looks familiar. And they started talking. I went, no way. Is that Vice Admiral Krennic? Yeah. I just... <laughs> exactly yeah exactly and i'm like holy shit yeah look at him <laughs> holy shit that's awesome i know good for him i don't think i ever saw that movie but i loved the <coughs> cover of it because it's or maybe i'm thinking of cliffhanger maybe i don't know Both. it's a very cheesy 2000s movie it's bill paxton say no more yeah <laughs> it's but, a movie starring bill paxton but it's good yeah there's something about the about, about those movies where they did everything they could until they had to use CGI. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it almost was never a design decision. It was a budget decision because yeah. CGI was so expensive back then mm-hmm. that they were just, we have to do everything as manual as possible. Yeah. And it, it makes those movies in that era pop. Yeah. Because they had so much practical effects. Because they just couldn't afford CGI. Yeah. It was cheaper to go practical for the majority of what they could. And they had to be more creative. Yeah. Rather than let's just pay a team of guys bunch of money to make this look like what it probably should look yeah. like of like no how do we do this with like popsicle sticks <laughs> yeah and it, it it i think that's the that's the secret formula yeah for a lot of those 2000 movies yeah, that yeah, make yeah. them still popped it today is is that yeah that's yeah that's good that's a good point but yeah um so we're behind on secret evasion we are behind on secret evasion but actually segue to something that's not really on the list okay. and we're definitely going to be talking about more in the future okay but practical effects <coughs> How excited are you for Oppenheimer? That is on the list. Oh, it is? Yeah. Do I not see it? You clearly don't. Is it in code? Are you talking about it in code on the list? Um, is it called where, why? Because no. <laughs> I don't know what any of your notes mean, as no. is usual. It's the next one. It's almost time for the Kennergy op. Yes. Oh, op Oppenheimer. Yeah, there you go. I thought that said app. Anyway, yes. yes. It is almost time for the Ken Kenergy up. What does that mean? Do you know what Kenergy is? I don't know what Kenergy. Oh, Ken Energy. Ryan Gosling Energy. You didn't see him say that in an interview? No, but that's really good. Kenergy. Yeah. He was like, You have your Knuff. You have <laughs> your Knuff. Yeah. You have the Kenergy. So we're talking about Barbenheimer. Yeah. Is what, is Barbenheimer. what you're saying. Let's go, baby. Um number one question are you going to see them both uh in theaters or in general in theaters i think in general we could both definitely say in general yes yeah i will definitely be seeing both um i don't think i'll be seeing barbie in theaters yeah i'll see it i'm gonna see it Mm -hmm. next week Mm. not this coming week but the week after the week after it comes out um and I will let you know how it is and if it's worth seeing in theaters. I assume you will be seeing Oppenheimer in theaters. Yeah, I think it's going to be IMAX just for convenience. Although I really want to do the 70 millimeter. Go to Providence. Oh, I didn't talk to your lady friend. You, I, I said I would have, have to try to, to help after. you convince. Afterwards. Afterwards. Convince. So, July. Explain to the people what, what we're talking about. Oppenheimer is, I believe, I'm going to say a lot of things that I believe to be true. And I'm pretty sure are true. It is the first feature length Hollywood movie to be filmed beginning to end in IMAX. 
with IMAX cameras. I think the closest the movie has gotten was Interstellar or Dunkirk, because you know Christopher Nolan loves that IMAX, and it was like 80%. But this is the first and only movie so far that is 100% filmed with IMAX cameras, which is a special thing in its own. And it's filmed with 70 millimeter IMAX film. Avengers Endgame is the second Hollywood film to be shot entirely with IMAX cameras. Entirely with IMAX. Wow. What was the first? I don't know. Oppenheimer. <laughs> it's just been in post-production for five years. I mean, technically. No, um, but the second film was Infinity War, I would assume. Maybe. That's interesting. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, this There's a couple special things about this. And I, I actually learned some as I've, I've been learning and watching all these YouTube videos about Oppenheimer because mm-hmm. I am fully, I've never been more on a hype train about just a movie uh, than I have been about Oppenheimer. What do you mean? I'm watching all the interviews. I'm watching all the behind the scenes and I'm watching all the... You didn't do this for Endgame? Not really. You didn't do I this didn't, for Infinity War? I didn't want to know that much about it. I watched like the nerdy, like, what do I think's going to happen in Infinity War? Blah, blah, blah. Here's the story of the Infinity God. But I'm watching like interviews with J. Robert Oppenheimer from the 50s. I am watching explanations of all the different film types and why 70 millimeter IMAX is objectively the best. And okay. a list of the history okay. of 70 millimeter IMAX theaters in the world and in the country and how they're dwindling. And this might genuinely be the last movie that we could see in like a wide release of one of these um, and all that stuff. And like interviews with the cast, interviews with the cinematographer, interviews with Christopher Nolan. I watched the wired autocorrect interview with Christopher Nolan and Robert Downey Jr. And I'm like watching all this stuff. I haven't been watching reviews, but I have heard some things. Um, but where was I going with this is my question. While you think about that, I want to ask you a question yeah. to take you off track. Yeah. Thank you. Why do you place so much importance on this movie? In your opinion, is it because the theme? Is it because the cast? Is it because it's a Christopher Nolan movie in 70 millimeter IMAX? Like, what is it that's the X factor for you so much about this movie? Because I'll tell you mine after, but yeah. I want to hear yours. Because so, I'm not doing all that shit. Okay. What, you're, what you just said. Sure. Okay. I'm just like, I'm going to well, see. Th- let's relax with the judgment undertones there. There's no, 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 I'm just All saying. that shit. All that shit. <laughs> <laughs> all that spoiler shit. Yeah, all that spoiler Spoilers. Shit. They press the button. We think. <laughs> Unless it's just an alternate timeline <laughs> version of the events. They pull a, a Inglorious Bastards on us and, and blow up. It's a that. multiverse connection with Inglorious Bastards oh in the MCU. God. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Can you imagine? Uh, anyway, um, my answer out of all those options, the answer is all of them. That's what the X Factor is. It's the amazing cast. Christopher Nolan is... He has fallen from my favorite director. I uh, watched a bunch of clips of Tenet again, and it's just not for me. Like, that's not a, a movie that I love, which is kind of a bummer. But um, And then, like, his, like, obsessiveness about certain parts of the craft of filmmaking, like, needs to be shot in camera. Like, he wants as little CGI as possible in all of his movies. Um, he, like, pushes the technology of the industry forward with like his development and like new experimental ways of filming and things like that. I learned in Tenet, they, I don't know why this wasn't possible before, but they developed an IMAX camera that can film backwards where like they actually filmed the backward scenes with this special IMAX camera that can film backwards. And I don't know 
exact exactly what that means but i think when you film forward there's like the motion blur of things moving and then if you were to reverse that it just looks like reversed footage but the way they filmed it in IMAX, which makes it look so uncanny, is because they use this new technique that gives it like reverse motion blur or something like that. So when they reverse it and play it the way it's actually supposed to be happening in the movie, it doesn't just look like reversed footage. It actually looks like something moving backwards, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very interesting. And that's such a niche thing for his movie. And in this one, he developed black and white IMAX film with Kodak. Um, which is the first time like there's actually been black and white IMAX film stock. If there's ever been a black and white IMAX scene, it's just been an IMAX scene that they cut out the color of. Uh, but I don't even think that's happened. Um, actually, yeah, Justice League, the Justice League, Zack Snyder cut the black and white edition. There's a whole version of that movie in black and white. If you didn't know, weird choice, but they did it. Um, (laughs) so you can watch it again for four hours, but in black and white. Um, okay. And then... So there's that. There's the story itself. And like the more I'm learning about the background of those events and the people in them and the cast interviews, the more fascinated I am by it. Like what? The fact that there is a extremely slim, like slim enough where they could feel obviously comfortable testing it. But there was a theory that the explosion would be so hot that it would create fusion in the air that would then be so hot that it would be sustainable and turn the entire Earth's atmosphere into plasma, destroying all life on Earth when they press the button to test the bomb. Like, they could have pressed it, end of the world. And they still pressed it. (laughs) But it was like like a three-in-one million chance or something like that. And the fact that it wasn't zero made a lot of them be like, we shouldn't fucking do this. Well, what is, who was it that said, I am Shiva, destroyer of worlds? Oppenheimer. I was Oppenheimer. I, I am, I am become death. I am become death. Worlds. I'm sorry, not Shiva. The god of a, uh, I've watched that whole interview, which is fascinating. Yeah. And that's when he was like, I fucked up bad. <laughs> that was his, I fucked up bad phase. Well, what's, what's crazy. And I don't want you to stop because I'm still curious to the more reasons. Yeah. On your end. And I think a lot of people don't don't understand because it's hard to, but you have to put yourself in the shoes of a of a of a situation where you're at war. Like yeah. we're at war. Yeah, we're we've been at war since we were kids. Yeah, we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for yeah. a long time. Um, we technically are not at war now, but even when we were in Iraq, we had a full campaign. We were in Afghanistan, full campaign. We have friends getting deployed. Mm-hmm. My life didn't change. Yeah. I wasn't worried about coastal invasion. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about, you know, Soviets jumping out of, well, technically World War II Soviets were on our side at some point. But like, I wasn't worried about, you know, a domestic invasion sure. in any way. I wasn't worried about losing a war front because my entire life we've had military superiority mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. And it's always been like a well, no, we, I don't. I'm not worried at all. Like I remember 9/11 happening, <clears throat> and um, seeing it on the news when I walked home, and my mom was watching it, mm-hmm. and she was freaked out. She was just, I can't believe this is happening. And my reaction was, yeah, it's horrible, but I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get them. Interesting. And she went, what do you mean? I distinctly remember that was not my reaction. And I went, we're going to get them. Yeah. Like, like, I'm I'm in middle school. Yeah, and you're I know in like enough what, about eighth grade or something. Yeah, and I know enough about American history about our capabilities. Yeah, um, 
we're going to not let this <laughs> slide. Eighth grade war historian. <laughs> we're not going to let this slide, A. Yeah. And then B, with the military might that we have, we're going to go get them. Yeah. And we didn't we take over Iraq in 48 hours? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. We took over, like, we won. The official, like, invasion, quote unquote, of Iraq was done in, like, two days. Yeah. I am a 30-year-old not-war historian, <laughs> so your 8th grade ass knew more than me, but... Well, don't forget, that was also right in the beginning times of me, like, getting interested in joining the military. So yeah, that's right. So I was all right. about, like, yeah. oh, we just have we just launched the Seawolf-class submarine. Like, oh, we have, like... <laughs> and your mom's like, why won't you be normal? <laughs> I distinctly remember that feeling you're talking about, of like, we're America, we're invincible. And that day to me was, oops, we're not. And then eventually I got back to, yeah, we fucking are. But Yeah, we are. Um, when we turn on the military switch to go active, we 100% yeah, the, are. The, the biggest budget of anything in the world dedicated to yeah. one thing. But it's just the fact that we, for so long, I think since the Cold War, we're always like, you don't want to, like, we're just boistering. Yeah. You don't want to, we're just going to rattle the saber and say, you don't want to fuck with us. Yeah. And you're not going to want to do it. And then they did. And that's when I was like, okay. We'll just turn it on. And yeah. it was sloppy because it was like, I remember like Humvees not having armor plating and shit like that. And then <laughs> I remember in a year of that article coming out of like, oh, Humvees are vulnerable to IEDs. They don't have armor plating. They developed IED removal vehicles mm-hmm. that you could just run over IEDs mm-hmm. and it would explode. And that's how you cleared your IEDs mm-hmm. and the trucks were fine. Yeah. Because they made it to just... <laughs> Be like it's a lot faster if those lead the convoys yeah. and just blow shit up. Yeah, and, we'll and they just, just keep rolling the potholes. Yeah, then everybody else just follows through. Yeah. What were you, you were you were bringing this up in relation to Oppenheimer? All all our life we've been at war of some point because at well in Oppenheimer World War Two we were on we had two war fronts. It was yeah. a world it was a world war. Yeah, and we were scared about Japan. Yeah, like America's never been quote unquote scared of a country really mm-hmm. in our time frame. Of our lifetime, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then knowing about, imagine, um, imagine a country so desperate mm-hmm. that they were willing to do that. Yeah. Like, to your point, like this might kill all life. Yeah. And they said, but Japan could win. Yeah. They said, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Push the button. Yeah. Like that was the mindset. Yeah. Back then, mm-hmm. of people up top saying we do not have the capability to take over Japan. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the cost of life that it, it, they're going to. Every single one of them is going to fight to the death. Mm-hmm. If we don't have the capability to overcome that. On top of the fact that we're still, we still have an Eastern front. Yeah. Right. And that's not over yet. What do we do? And they're like, well, what if we like completely wiped out Japan? Mm. And I was like, what are you talking about? What if we committed a horrible act of humanity war? <laughs> oh, twice. Twice. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. my point. Like we don't, we can't fathom that. Because yeah. we've never had that in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Our lifetime has always been, no, we got big dicks. Like you have to watch out for it. Yeah. And then back then it was like, well, no, we're getting pushed to the brink of desperation. Well, it probably started with that. What do you mean? The the dropping of the two bombs. That was the official start. Yeah, that was don't the, fuck with that this. was the unzip. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the that was the start of that mindset. Yeah. Oh, look what we have. Yeah. But continue. Yeah. <laughs> so this this movie that I'm excited about. Um, the cast, Christopher Nolan being such a perfectionist and like having this so singular vision 
and like the new technology created for it. The fact that it's filmed in IMAX 70 millimeter film and I'm going to an IMAX 70 millimeter film theater, which is like those of you who've been to an IMAX theater, this is like the big, the big ones, the stadium seating where you're sitting almost in a wall. Um, like it is extremely steep. It's steeper than 45 degrees. You're like climbing up to the top seats. Uh, and the screen is something like a hundred feet tall or something like that. I think that. I've been to one of these. You've, you've brought, I've been on like a school field trip and we watched a documentary about whales or something like that. I think I saw the Martian on one of the, on that screen. Interesting. There are 12 in the country. I don't know how long there have been 12. I was going to say. probably used the, to be more. I saw when the, if the, when did the Martian come out? A 2013? 13, 14, 15. 14, I Something think. Something like that? Yeah, so it would have been back then, I, I think. I'm sorry, continue. I think I only used remember... to be one in Hartford. Yes, that's where I yeah, saw yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, because that's where I went. And yeah. I remember being like, these seats are vertical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. shit, yeah. And I think I said, there was like the whale documentary you went on a school field trip and they had like a Grand Canyon fly through an IMAX yeah. or something oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just sick. Um, so yeah, I'm seeing it on that. So I'm okay. very excited for the movie going experience of it, not just the movie itself. Um, and they also got this crazy like Hollywood and government budget to develop this camera that can shoot super high definition, super slow-mo IMAX 70 millimeter footage of a real atomic bomb explosion because Christopher Nolan is so Christopher Nolan that he's like, I want to show an atomic bomb explosion and I need to show it in camera, not with CGI. So I'm blowing up a real atomic bomb. And he did. Do you know this for the movie? They really detonated an atomic bomb. I know people say that, but Christopher Nolan keeps saying in interviews, I'm not going to divulge the behind the scene magic of what we did. Yeah. I just hope you enjoy what you see. Yeah. Is what he's been saying. That's I've, I've heard that a lot. And people keep saying like, please tell me about the moment in the movie. Like, how did you do that? (laughs) And um, like my theory, like it was in the news, like he detonated an atomic bomb. My theory is like, it was a small one. And like they filmed it in a way that made it look like the big real one that happened in the in the forties. I wonder where they did it. I, I think in in like the New Mexico desert, <coughs> um, Jesus, or something like that. <laughs> Jesus, there's like a whole county in New Mexico that was just they've done like two hundred atomic bomb tests. I didn't realize how many nukes we've detonated in the U.S. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Most of them were underground. Um, because I think they're like easier to measure or something like that when they're underground because of the seismic waves and the how much earth it can displace and stuff like that. But anyway. Um, I'm sure there's no consequences anywhere else on the planet from that. Yeah, right. Uh, I also learned like through my rabbit hole of just researching everything about this movie and what this movie is about. Um, like 11 out of the 12 astronauts that have stepped foot on the moon did like rover training in a crater of a nuclear bomb explosion because it's the closest thing we have to the craters on the moon Um, because those are made by asteroids. So like in the 60s, Neil and Buzz were actually like driving a a prototype of a rover, a buggy, like over like the edge of a crater dune and like down into the bowl and stuff like that. Because it's the closest thing we have on Earth to moon craters, even though it was smaller, but it had like the similar challenges and the similar shape and makeup and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, there's all of that. Um, And then just the story itself, like what I've heard from interviews is like it's one of the biggest 
events and mankind may be one of the most important people of mankind. The guy who invented the atomic bomb, which changed the world probably more significantly than any one moment in human history, like the detonation of the first atomic bomb and then the subsequent usage of two of them, like created the cold war. Like you could argue created less wars in the future because everybody's afraid that someone could press you the You could argue button. that it put America where it is now. Yeah. And just like it altered the course of history in probably the biggest singular way. But he was so tormented about it the whole time. But he was like such a smart person that like his brain wouldn't let him stop thinking and planning and solving. Uh, and then like the huge existential moment of pressing the button knowing that it could literally incinerate the earth if we did our math wrong but we probably didn't so it's safe uh and then like all the people he interacted with and then my theory and i genuinely don't know this but i think because it's christopher nolan uh and he loves time and he loves telling things from multiple different angles i think the black and white parts of the movie that we've seen in the trailers and that they film for is everything after the button so, and so it's like all the the interviews and the depositions and the that he was like grilled by the Senate and stuff like that. And he had a bunch of court hearings about like what he did and what he went about doing and, and all that stuff. And if he was right or if he was wrong. And I'm not sure if in my theory, they like flash back and forth between the before the bomb and after the bomb stuff. Um, but it's Christopher Nolan. So I, I'm guessing that they did. Cause that's like how inception or um, memento was told the black and white and then the color and it meets in the middle of the story. Um, but yeah, it's just, everything about it is is so interesting and like the other day i just scrolled through imdb again and i forgot how absolutely stacked that cast is like it's insane and like even people that like i completely forgot were in the movie because they don't even have time to show them in the trailers um hold on i know matt damon's in it yeah he's killian murphy rdj yep uh Uh, benheimer uh, Killian Murphy is Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt is his wife. Yes, Emily Blunt. Um, Matt Damon is the um, general, the general who's like in charge of the whole thing. Robert Downey Jr. is Louis Strauss, one of the guys who like grills him in the deposition after. Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Solo from Solo, Han Solo from Solo. Um, Jason Clark, who's I think from like Nip Tuck or something like that. Um, who else do we got? James Darcy, who I definitely recognize that name. He's in a bunch of shit. Um, Kenneth Branagh. Mm. Uh, he's in it. Um, ba, ba, ba. This thing is completely out of order. Um, Josh Hartnett. Remember Josh Hartnett? Of course I remember <laughs> From Josh. Pearl Harbor and uh, Black Hawk Down, I think. Yep. Um, Black Hawk Down. Florence Pugh. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew that. Modine. He's the main character in Full Metal Jacket. He was Papa from Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yep, he's in it. Uh, David Dasmalchian. Uh, he's he he's like a character actor. He played Polka Dot Man in The Suicide Squad, and he was the paranoid schizophrenic from The Dark Knight that Two Face interrogates. Yeah. Um, he's good. Matt Damon, Dane DeHaan, who was uh, um, he played the Green Goblin in The Amazing Spider-Man Two. He played Harry Osborn in the second Andrew Garfield movie. Uh, but he was also in um, uh, that smaller superhero movie. That was very good. Josh Peck 
from Drake and Josh. <laughs> Seriously? Yep. Uh, Jack Quaid from The Boys, uh, the Amazon show. Sean Avery's in it. Sean Avery is in it. Sean Avery, who is apparently like on Christopher Nolan's list yeah. now, because yeah. he's in like that's his like third Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I think. Yep. Uh, Benny Safdie, who's uh, an actor and director, one of the Skarsgård, Gustav Skarsgård. Um, gosh, there's more. Uh, Rami Malek is in it. <laughs> that's far down the list. Yeah, Casey Affleck. <laughs> Casey Affleck's in it. Yeah. Um. Sean Avery, there he is. Yeah. It's a hockey player, by the way. There's uh, Aves. For those who don't know. Aves. Um, Gary Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman's in this? This far down the list. Yep. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, Luck, yeah. I forgot how absolutely stacked this movie is. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just crazy. Yeah, and that now it's like there's nobody else I recognize. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and there was an interview with Emily Blunt where she's like, you know, to these scientists and like family members of scientists showing up in Los Alamos and seeing all of these people. It's like the best minds in the world we have working on this or actually the best U.S. minds, the best minds in the U.S. working on this. It was like a star studded group of scientists. And that was Christopher Nolan's like idea is like, I want every big name scientist to be played by a big name actor because I want the audience to get that feeling of like, oh, my God, that's Gary Oldman, because <laughs> that's what those scientists would feel like showing up. They're like, oh, my God, that's Oppenheimer. That's yeah. Albert Einstein <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. like that, um, which is like, oh, my God, like using that's smart. It's like the opposite of when directors purposely choose like no name actors, like brand mm -hmm. new actors, because like you're not supposed to know this person yet and you want to get to know them for the character and like. Chris Hemsworth, when he played Thor, was a purposefully a no-name actor. Yeah. Uh, and and Tom Hiddleston. But, like, they purposely chose big names uh, because they wanted you to be like, oh, my God, it's it's that person. And, like, have that same thing. Like, Matt Damon, the general he plays, was, like, a big deal general that everybody yeah. knew about. And it's like, everybody knows Matt Damon, so you want yeah. to have that same feeling. And it's just, it's so smart. And everything I've heard about it is just, like like mind blowing people are like mind blown at like oh and the last thing i was i was kind of mentioning when i was saying like it's one of the biggest stories ever told it's about maybe the most important event in human history but it's so personal like the script it's it's adapted from a book uh, which i forget it's called american prometheus is the book that this movie is adapted off of um but the way christopher nolan wrote the script was in first person from uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer's point of view. So he'll say like, I walked over to the window instead of Oppenheimer walks over to the window because he wants it to feel so you're in his mind throughout the whole movie. Mm. Uh, and like okay. to sell touch a, to tell such a personal story about the biggest event in human history is such an interesting take. That's my interest in the movie is not so much the historical parts of it. Yeah. It's Christopher Nolan's never done this such a personal like such like a real small. yeah think of all of his movies he's done he's yeah. never done an actual arguably event. dunkirk was a real event <clears throat> oh yeah true okay so there's dunkirk yeah there's okay so yeah there's dunk see i view dunkirk as just a war movie yeah so it's it's not yeah but that you make a it's point. a very dramatized telling of this real week of the world war ii yeah um so yeah, it's just it to me. It's not he typically doesn't do these types of movies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
I would have the same reaction if Tarantino was doing like an Oppenheimer movie or, or Dunkirk, <laughs> where it's just he took a real event yeah. and made a movie out of it instead yeah. of this weird concoction in his mind. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. That's what interests me about it. Cool. I, I really hope you get to see it in 70 millimeter IMAX because it's like. <laughs> How far is it from here? It's. I don't really know. It's Providence. So it's like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, but like. For, for me, it's it's I'm I'm looking at it as a once in a lifetime experience. If I don't see this movie in seventy millimeter IMAX, like I feel weird about missing the first Avatar in IMAX three D. Uh, yeah, but we got to see the second one. We got to see the second one, um, but this just feels bigger than that, like more important than that. Um, for like a bunch of reasons, it's not. How are you gonna make it three hours without going to the bathroom? <laughs> I just won't hydrate very well that day. <laughs> I'll drink all my fluids after the movie. Oh my god! What time you seen it? What movie show? Uh, Two p.m. in Providence. How packed is it? Um, I mean, a number of people, very many. <laughs> number of available seats, still a decent amount because that theater is fucking huge. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. It's like more people than I've ever seen a movie with, but it's in a baseball stadium. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah contextually it's, it's kind of that we got seats i also googled because like this is such a big thing yeah uh like, what are the best seats where are the best seats in a 70 millimeter house and what's the answer uh two-thirds up rather than right halfway up halfway in the middle that's the best typically for a movie theater in my opinion two-thirds up obviously dead center but everybody says two-thirds up it's where you get the best sound it's where the sound meets and your eyes are in the center of the screen if you're halfway up uh the the seats you're going to be like looking up a little bit so we're two-thirds back uh but like the middle like if you drew a line down the middle the four seats to each side were taken so we're like a little bit off to the left okay um and there's there's four of us how much for tickets uh 1875 that's it yeah which was nice because that's just IMAX price. Yeah, that's normal pricing. Um, which is exciting. Granted, you are you spending the night there or no? No, <laughs> driving back two hours after it gets out at like five thirty, which oh. isn't bad. We'll get home at like seven thirty eight. You're gonna have rush hour traffic. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All through Massachusetts. All through, baby. Um, yeah, we'll see. All right, but you know what? That's you know why that's good. Why? Because you're gonna be talking about it in the car. Exactly. All four of us were meeting together at our at our work, and then uh, we're gonna be yeah. hyping about it all the way there, and then talking about it all the way back. So I will have lots of thoughts <laughs> when we're ready to talk about it. I'm excited about the uh, seven minute sex scene. Is it seven minutes? I've heard there is an extended seven <laughs> prolonged I, sex scene with yeah. full frontal nudity from multiple cast members. Yes, multiple meaning two, not like yeah. it's an orgy. No, no, no. I think it's uh Killian Murphy and um Florence Pugh. Yeah. 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 Spoilers. Spoilers for he, he for, cheats on his wife for uh full frontal. Yeah. So there you go. You don't take your kids to this movie about the atomic bomb. Um, <clears throat> okay, so now that we've discussed Oppenheimer, <laughs> let's not change gears at all. Let's and talk not. about the other half of Barbenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless there's something else you want to say about Oppenheimer. No, that's it. I'm super hyped for it. I'm excited to talk about it here, but I don't want to talk about it fully until you've seen it, obviously. I got to talk to the lady. We'll yeah. figure it out after this. Yeah. Barbie. Sell me on Barbie. What's going on? Uh, it's directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, who directed the latest version of Little Women, which was, I believe, nominated for an Oscar and directed Lady Bird 
which is nominated for an Oscar, and was the only movie with a perfect 100 Rotten Tomatoes score until a couple of people are like, I don't think it deserves a perfect 100, so I'm going to give it a bad review to lower it to a 99. Fuck you. It You're really fu- had 100? It had 100 for like weeks. And then someone was like, it was good, but it's not worth 100, so I'm going to tank it on purpose. It's like, that's not how reviews work, dummy. <laughs> I'm so mad. I still haven't seen it. I'm sure it's incredible. Um, but uh, now it is tied with Toy Story 2 for a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes and a couple other movies. But um, yeah, just an amazing female director who makes amazing stories about women, uh, like coming of age tales and like young women tales and like different dynamics between women and men and women. And then it was announced that she was directing Barbie. First, they're making a Barbie movie. And my thought was, of course, they are. Whatever. Next. Uh, And then it's directed by Greta Gerwig. And I was like, hold on. What? (laughs) Back that up. Read it again. Uh, And it's starring Margot Robbie (laughs) and Ryan Gosling. What is happening, actually? Uh, And then the rest of the cast, Will Ferrell, Simu Liu. um, uh, I forget her name, but from SNL. She's so funny. Um there's a, there's a very Maya Rudolph. St- no, she's like one of the newer super funny ones. I don't think mm. she's on the show anymore, but she was like the last like one to carry the show. Uh, Kate McKinnon. Oh yeah, yeah. so Kate funny. Yeah, yeah. She plays a Barbie. Um, everybody in the Barbie Dreamland is either a Barbie or a Ken, except yeah. for Michael Sarah's character, who's like Carl or something like that. <laughs> Which is like an actual Barbie product, Carl, who is Ken's friend. <laughs> but they also made a dozen different versions of Ken, uh, of like a bunch of different skin tones and things like that. Um, but yeah, it just, it looks very much like the Lego movie, which I loved a lot of like, it's a world that takes place in this world and it follows the rules of this world. Like all the the construction workers in the Lego movie followed instructions to build the things. And it's like, they look like the Lego booklet instructions and stuff like that. Um, and then like, there are real life items in the Lego world, like a bandaid and like crazy glue and stuff like that. Uh, so that was really fun. And then like this one, she takes off her shoes and her feet are still in the shape of high heels because that's how Barbie's feet were. And then she like goes to take a shower and she turns on the water and starts to wash herself, but there's no water coming out of the shower because when you're playing with Barbies, there's no water actually coming out. Um, so like, so super fun. And then like the, the practical effects that they use, like just when she's driving has like that old, like 1940s, 1960s effects of the car driving. So it's like, it just looks like they're having so much fun with it, but I'm sure it's going to tell like an emotional gut punch of a story of like female empowerment and like Kennergy <laughs> and stuff like that. And then spoilers, I guess for the Lego movie and kind of for what I've seen of Barbie, but Will Ferrell plays the president of Mattel, like the CEO of Mattel, the company that makes Barbie. And I believe the story is Barbie escapes or leaves like the Barbie world, the dream world and goes to the real world and the CEO of Mattel tries to capture her <laughs> and like send her back or something like that. Um, which that just, that sounds fun enough. It's almost like, um, enchanted, which is kind of the movie of like, Disney princess. What if a Disney princess escaped and got into like real world Manhattan, uh, and just like had birds falling <laughs> on her, on her shoulders while she was singing and stuff like that. And that movie was fun. So it kind of seems seen like movie. it's doing, it's a good one with, um, Amy Adams. 
No. And no, Amy Adams was in a Disney movie? I, I don't think it was officially a Disney movie. It may have been. But it's like, what if a Disney princess type character uh, left their cartoon world and came into the real world? Got it. Um, it was very fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just the the Greta Gerwiginess of it. And then Margot Robbie, I think, is great and takes herself very seriously and is is all into like strong characters and female empowerment. And Ryan Gosling is a gem and Simu Liu is a gem and Michael Sarah is a gem. So I'm just... It is a Disney movie enchanted yeah yeah so it's a literal disney princess yeah leaves and comes to the real world it's fun <coughs> it's a fun uh it's a fun disney flick but um yeah are you are you like not excited are you like i'm not excited yeah i i i mean am i not excited because i'm like oh it's gonna be poopy no i don't think that yeah i just think i just don't have i'll be honest i'm only excited for oppenheimer because it's christopher nolan and the cast. Yeah. That's really the big the big draw. Yeah. Um Barbie, I could see myself seeing I, I'm definitely gonna see it. Uh-huh. I'm probably gonna stream it. Yeah, when it comes out. Yeah. <coughs> but I'll be honest, the hype. Yeah. And social media for it right now is huge. Yeah. So it's like it just looks super I should see fresh it. and fun and like Yeah, maybe I should see it. And you know what? Speaking of Margot Robbie to your point, I think Margot is a very under. I think people think they are uh, not undermine. They have low expectations of her performances. Mm. I think with with Margot, and I don't know why. I think it's because maybe they see her as just a very pretty actress. Yeah, and they don't realize how good she is or how hard she works Um, there's the her role in the wolf of wall street (laughs) where she played exceedingly hot wife yep she played it very well but then you watch that movie and she's actually like a very powerful like person it's like very punchy and like a firecracker and then in once upon a time in hollywood she played sharon tate i think was her name I should know because I was a very famous person from a very famous event in history. Um, but she had like very few speaking lines. Like she was in the movie here and there. Yeah. But like didn't really do much or say much, but it, it wasn't really the point of that character in the movie to do or say much. It was supposed to be like the memory of this, this great fun actress. Um, yeah. Everything she's, and even like suicide squad and the but she suicide cared squad. about suicide squad yeah that's what i like she cared about the character and that's my point like she yeah. she cares about her roles yeah she's not just there to sign the contract and then just look pretty on screen yeah i like the fact that she i remember hearing a lot of her feedback about her experience as harley and wanting to do a lot creatively with harley yeah um that's why like birds of prey was a little bit more up her alley um, cause she had more control of being able to say what she wanted with yeah. the character in the story. She's and that's like one what of I mean. the producers of that, I think. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I mean, I, where I think it's cool that, and I, I think people just have lo- like low expectations for her or they, they, um, I can't think of, why can't I think of the word? It's not really low expectations. It's not undermining. It's like under, um, oh, you know what I'm saying, right? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it. It's not underwhelm. Oh, man. Anyway, move on. One of us will just shout it when we have it. 
but people i think have that with underestimate her. yeah <laughs> the underestimator the underestimate what is wrong with us <laughs> hey we're rusty right it's three yeah. weeks three yeah. weeks all right we're words. getting back into it yeah we're talking um i think people underestimate her because of it and i just i've always thought especially with her all the stuff that came out with her with uh, Harley Quinn specifically, I remember thinking, that's awesome that she gives a shit mm-hmm. to that level, that she's passionate about what she's doing. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people who don't have it. Um, and she is very beautiful. So she could probably just get by with just giving a half-assed performance and not giving a fuck. Yep. But she does apparently yeah. care. And that's why that's actually one of the draws of Barbie to me is that it's like she's in a leading role. She's definitely had input i bet in that process i'm so curious to what she wanted to depict and how she handled the role yeah um and that's what kind of intrigues me the most actually about Mm -hmm. that movie it's not the topic it's not the story it's not anything other than the fact of like uh, it's a margot led movie yeah that's i'm really curious yeah right and that's kind of how i am with greta gerwig of just like yeah that's that's a person who cares about the craft and cares about the story yes so it's like a Barbie movie on the surface, but I know that it's going to be something deeper than even the trailers are showing us. And like, I think the trailers are purposely like that yeah. to trick you into it. Be like, oh, it's going to be... Everybody's going to be there dressed up in their Barbie fair. And they're going to leave crying. Yes, it's gonna be, they're going to get shredded by some part of the story. There, I've seen... Because so, so many people are doing the Barbenheimer, the double feature yeah. of Oppenheimer and Barbie, and there's a lot of debate on which one to watch first. People are like, Oppenheimer will ruin the way you feel about humanity. So go to see barbie as like a a, a, a palate cleanser and people are going to leave barbie crying <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it's going to make them feel worse i think i think barbie's going to be a uh it's called a check hook yeah <laughs> it's when yeah. you step in on somebody thinking it's an opening and they check you with the Bop. hook and they step back and yeah. like, what and they just hit you as you come in i think that's what it's going to be people yeah. showing up being like oh this is great though this is gonna be we're so just fun. here to have fun at this yeah. one. Oh, it's worse yeah <laughs> Um, it's gonna be some gut-wrenching heartbreaking movie there's gotta be a name for this type of thing this the barbenheimer it happened with the double feature on march 20th i'm gonna say 2020 where two video games came out on the same day that everybody was very excited for and then came out right at the at the beginning of covid do you know what either of them are yes do you know what both of them are yes Animal Crossing New Horizons and Doom, Doom. Eternal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like Doom was the most over the top, heavy metal, blood soaked, demons from outer space hell uh, video Violent. game. And yeah. then they just upped it, dialed it to 11. They dialed it from 11 to 12 on every aspect. And it came out the same day as the most relaxing, cozy game of all time. Uh, and like the amount of fan art of like the Doom guy giving the gun to Isabel from Animal Crossing and she gives him a fishing hook and he goes fishing and she starts shooting demons and stuff like that. The amount of crossover like that, there's there's some attraction that people have to something so serious and dark and brutal and and like violent and gory. Not that Oppenheimer's violent and gory, but like so heavy with something that's so light. And when they come out on the same day, people just it's like a match made in heaven. <laughs> it's a yin yang. The power of opposites that it's Yeah, attract. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Harmony. Okay. There it is. You solved it. <laughs> but the problem is, is I don't think Barbie's going to be that happy. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be happy. I think it'll be uplifting, but I think it'll be heavy. 
I think the first 30 minutes is going to be exactly what you see from the trailers. Yeah. And then I think the rest of the movie is going to be this indie film style, heart-wrenching <laughs> fucking check hook of a movie. Yeah. And you're not going to expect the emotional punch. I'm I'm really excited. I've also just been impressed by what Mattel has done with the Barbie brand in the last like decade, five years. Like it is, they are fully about like girl empowerment and like female empowerment in a way that isn't just like, yeah, girl power. Uh, but it's like, all right, girls, you want to be a scientist and there's no other books out there teaching you how to be a scientist. This Barbie magazine is going to teach you how to get into science. And it's not like top five ways to do your hair for the first day of school (laughs) and stuff like that. Like they're really, they're, they're, they're where it's at for girls these days. And they've, were they always like that? Or? I do, I was just going to say, I don't know if they've changed or if they were just always like that. And I didn't know. Cause to me as a, as a, as a young lad, Barbie was just Barbie. It was the girl doll. Cause thing. back in the day, it was all about like being able to fantasize and it was just, Oh, you have your car and your house and you can, but you- they also had like Olympic star Barbie and like president Barbie and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, like astronaut Barbie and there there was a bunch of cool stuff like that but like the industry that i work in i hear about barbie pretty frequently and how they're just the model of hmm. how to do it right for girls uh well, that's good which is really cool and then this movie's coming not out a lot of them out there so exactly and the fact that barbie is the one is like kind of perfect like that's a that's a best case scenario <laughs> like barbie the most recognizable brand for girls uh is I, like it's one of the most recognizable brands yeah yeah, period. I think Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. Barbie's pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, another weird little interesting thing at the end of the last trailer, they have like a, I forget who it is. I think it's Nicki Minaj uh, remix of the Barbie girl song from Aqua from like the 90s, yeah. who Mattel famously hates that song because it, it does not represent barbie the way they want them her to be represented and they they there were some legal battles and it was like, like they just had a huge they did not like each other and now a remix of that song is in the trailer but it's also like that song is about not the barbie that mattel portrays still to yeah. this day and probably not the barbie that's portrayed in this movie so it's interesting maybe they just got over their beef and it's such a recognizable song that some money guys and suits were like "Ah, you gotta get the song it's recognizable might might as well capitalize we'll get we'll get three percent more profits if we get the song or something like that um so you double featuring i am not double featuring i'm probably gonna see barbie the next day with my fiance um she wants to double feature but she can't take this day off to see it because we're seeing it in the middle of the day monday um and then i have i'm seeing it again with my dad my cousin and my uncle we're uh my, our, my cousin and mine's moms are twins uh and my dad and my uncle are married to the twins uh so we call ourselves the twinsmen and we go to see like boy movies <laughs> like, so you're gonna go you're all gonna go to oppenheimer we're gonna we're gonna see oppenheimer together probably just in regular imax um because we also need captions for my dad who is deaf mm. and i don't think 70 mil has captions but no um like we saw, we see the Star Wars movies, we see James Bond movies, we see Top Gun Maverick, we, we're seeing Oppenheimer. Did you hear you about know, boy movies? <laughs> Did you hear about Idris? No, no. With James Bond? No. Say more words now. What? Uh, no, I don't want to kind of. 
Oh, is it bad news? It's bad news. Oh, never mind. Don't tell me ever. Okay. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Um, did you hear about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? No. It's b- the highest rated Mission Impossible movie so far. And the Mission Impossible movies, literally. I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes for all the Mission Impossible movies. Besides 1 to 2, the ratings have literally just continued to get higher and higher for the series. They're good movies. They're great movies. The last two, five and six, were like genuinely some of my favorite action movies. Somebody said it best. Um, Yeah, somebody said it best. They said, you could, you can criticize Tom Cruise for what he's done culturally Mm. with his Scientology, Mm -hmm. with his public outbursts, like kind of just his overall... um, just how he's been publicly for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You can judge that as much as you want, and you can 100% properly criticize him for all of it. However, <laughs> you cannot deny that he is the last of a dying breed mm-hmm. of standalone, like literal grade A movie stars Yeah, that's left in the industry. Yeah. Because what he does is this passionate sacrifice of whatever it takes for the moviegoer to be thrilled. To have the most entertaining, thrilling experience. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, that's his focus, and it's because he's old school, mm-hmm. and he views movies as this is a form of entertainment, Yeah. and I am the entertainer, Yeah. and I need to perform for them, Yep. and that's why he will fly bikes off of mountains <laughs> And personally, multiple times. So the shot looks just good enough that you go, holy shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that makes me excited for Mission Impossible. Yeah. (laughs) Because they are all great movies. Yeah. I saw in the lead up to this movie, it was just made by like a fan on YouTube, but it was like... like 35 minutes of all the crazy Tom Cruise stunts from the Mission Impossible movies and it's when he climbed on the outside of the Burj Khalifa it's when he held on to the side of a plane it's when he held his breath for six minutes underwater during that like vortex thing the giant CPU coolers yeah yeah, it's when he fell off of a helicopter rope and landed on like the the bag it was carrying it's when he basically flipped a helicopter (laughs) like he did like a barrel roll in a helicopter um, and then in this one, he gets in a fight on top of a moving train in Norway. Uh, and what's the other big stuff? The, oh yeah. He rides a motorcycle off a fucking cliff. <laughs> oh my God. Like it's not an exaggeration. No, he literally does that. He and then literally jumps does off that the, my, the multiple parachutes. Yeah. The behind the scenes for filming that is incredible too, by the way, the halo jump with him and Henry Cavill. Uh, when Henry like pulls off his, his air tube and jumps out of the plane and he has to like connect it real quick and jump out. He actually had to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that was his real oxygen thing. But as he was walking, he had to make sure that it was clipped in for the shot. But then he literally parachuted with a guy who was filming him yep. falling down. Yep. And he's like looking around acting yep. <laughs> while he's skydiving yep. out of a C-120 or whatever Did that you plane see, is. Have you ever seen the interview with Henry about that? No. Henry was... <laughs> In the interview, Henry, Henry Cavill is talking about that scene. Yeah. And they were asking him, like, so what's it like? What was that scene like? That was such an intense shot. I can't believe we got this single shot of this whole thing. He goes, yeah. So that scene comes around, and we're in the plane, <laughs> and I'm so excited. And I'm, it's thrilling, 
uh, the sets like so everything's perfect. And I turned to Tom and I go, I want to, I want to, I want to jump. And Tom said, no. And I said, wait, what do you mean? And he said, no, you're not jumping. And I said, but you jump. And Tom said, I've made like, I think it was like 275 jumps. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to risk you dying. Yeah. When I know I'll be okay or like whatever. Yeah. I'm not risking it. Yeah. And he went, oh, <laughs> that was basically that reaction. He was like, oh, yeah. I love it. You've seen the uh, the interview with Graham Norton of when they show the footage of how when Tom Cruise finally hurt himself on the set. Oh, yeah. When he like broke his ankle. Broke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he finishes he the shot. Jumps off. <laughs> like, that's it. That's to me says like that interview gave me so much respect for him. It's like, OK, yes, personally, not the chillest dude, <laughs> not the coolest dude to exist in the world. As a person in the movie industry, one of the top five yeah. people in the movie industry, I would say. And the, his reasoning, he was like, this is the last shot we're going to get because I knew I broke it. Yeah. And we so, weren't going to come back to film. This yeah. Later. So I and that's the shot they use in the movie, I think. Yep. We're getting this done. Yeah. And it's just crazy. <laughs> and also his commitment to just the industry. Mm-hmm. The fact that he talks so much about the cast, the crew, yeah. the set people, yes. their jobs, making like... like and granted, he's... Go ahead. With the whole writer's actor strike, yeah. I don't know if he's on the good side or not. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know I think he is. Yeah. I don't know though. I would imagine. But what I don't what know. are you gonna say? Um, he's also like a huge fan of the industry. Like, there's that <laughs> famous weird video where he just vlogs himself going to a movie, and then he gets in the car after. It's like great film. Had lots of fun. Love this stuff. Great movie. Everybody go see it. And it's like, what is this weird like propaganda thing? But he always just talks about like. Oh my God, I just saw this movie and wow, it was a wild ride. Like well done to everybody involved and stuff like that. Like he's genuinely just such a big, weird, awkward nerd about these things. I was going to say, he seems, just seems like this weird movie geek yeah. who was given the ability to act. Yep. And and was super dreamy for a few decades and just became the leading man and stuff like that. He has a very yeah. He's very unique. Like, have you you've seen interviews with other actors talking about him? Uh, kind of maybe. And they're just like, you, it's fucking Tom Cruise. Yeah, like it's <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, he's like a he's one of those people in the industry that is like Spielberg to me. Like they just they get it. Like they get what movies, they're doing. They get what they're doing. They get what the movies are. They get what's entertaining. They get what works. Like there's just something in their blood. Like it's it can't be learned. It's well, you know just, what it's it's the, it's it's just that it's their life. Yeah. Like I don't think Tom. Like I'm sure he has a hobby. Mm-hmm. I think his hobbies are revolving around how he can become a better pilot yeah. for a, yeah for a movie. He does skydiving and pilot and rock climbing and, and taekwondo riding. and yeah, shit. Like, like I think that. he does those yeah. things because he generally likes them but yeah. because he wants to use them in a movie. Yeah. Like I think his life is movies yeah and that's why um he is the he's it's like a nicholas cage thing yeah nicholas cage is not the same level but he's in the same stratosphere of no that's the that's a dude who just he he loves acting passion yeah passionate yeah you know um and he gives it 110 percent in every single role no matter what quality of movie it is He's like, nope, I signed on for this movie. I'm going to give you fucking 120%. I, I will say, no matter what, <coughs> Nicolas Cage, 
a hundred percent a for effort <laughs> he never he never <laughs> sells it yeah he never he comes in he's like nope i'm gonna act my ass off yeah i'm gonna give it everything i got you're just playing a dad in this yeah. one <laughs> he's like okay okay what's his backstory <laughs> yeah did he used to get in fights in high school <laughs> yeah and he he gives it so much and yeah. i think that's appreciative and that, also that goes through his catalog too yeah he has so many movies yeah they're and, not all blockbusters there's very there's a wide range there um <laughs> There's also this really, this is a, a kind of an odd note, but the first Oscars after 9-11, uh, Tom Cruise gave the opening speech to it. Really? And it was rousing. Like it's what did a he very, say? It was just a speech about the importance of movies and like how it brings people together and how especially in a time like this, it's like... Like he he told this story about like how he was going through like a really rough time and he went to see a movie and he just escaped to that world and it was like the happiest two hours of that week or something like that and how we all in this room give people that magic and experience and things like that and he got like a standing ovation. Um, well, he reminds people, it was, right? Like, very I, touching. I think people get lost in the industry because you can't help it. Mm-hmm. Look what's happening right now with the actors and writers. Right? Yeah. It's a fucking industry. Yeah. But at the core of it, everybody's busting their ass off on 18 hour days on the set yeah for entertainment yeah exactly right yeah um i think there are movies like oppenheimer that tell a story that's both historical and touches on the history of humanity yeah i think christopher nolan probably understood the weight of what the story was showing yeah um yeah yeah so i think there's those moments as well in some movies yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Movies are cool, man. They're crazy. <laughs> they're crazy. You know what I let myself watch hmm. recently? Yeah. <clears throat> You're going to love this. I watched the like three minutes, 50 seconds, maybe four minutes scene yeah. from Endgame. Oh, <gasps> you uh, watched footage of Endgame <laughs> since we sat in that theater together that one time. <clears throat> and it's when Tony Stark uh, figures out time travel. Shit. And you know what's funny about yeah. that? I don't know if you've seen the captions of that. Mm-hmm. And if you looked it up, those are all real terms. Yeah. Used used in physics. Yeah. Give me a parabola and yeah. something and, and loop. And yeah. And loop, loop the giga counter. And yeah. Let's see if maybe. And I looked them all up. Like, those are some goofy words. And I looked them all up and I was like, a giga counter is like immediate measurement and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> the passage of atoms through time. And like <laughs> yeah, that. exactly. They From actually, the Planck scale. Yeah, they did <laughs> it. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I know RDJ famously says now, I, I forgot who interviewed that spoke about RDJ, um, but they said when when asking RDJ about Iron Man, uh, RDJ just felt lost at a point because he did it for so long. Mm. And he, I think the quote was, I'm a man in an iron suit. What am I doing? Like, yeah. That was the quote. And because I think as an actor, good on him for being in that role. But I think 100% when you hear stuff like that about how he was like, I need to step away from this character. Yeah. He's a performer of somebody who 100% needs to thrive with different roles. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, mean, I love watching did, him perform. He, he does, did Iron Man and then he did Tropic Thunder and then he did the rest of the MCU with some other stuff scattered throughout there. But and then he did uh, Doolittle, right? He did Doolittle, I guess. That, that was in there. He did uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies. Sherlock Holmes. Those yep. are fun. Um, yeah, man, movies. He did, uh, oh my God, the movie with Gyllenhaal. With uh, Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah. Zodiac. Zodiac. He did Zodiac. One. Yeah. He was good in that. 
Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I know commercially wasn't a success, but everybody likes that movie. Yeah. That was a great movie. Uh, He did Oppenheimer. He did Oppenheimer. And maybe next episode, we'll talk more about Oppenheimer, which, by the way, there's going to be another week break because next week I'm on vacation. (laughs) So see you in two weeks after I see Oppenheimer. (laughs) I hope you get to see it. uh, Oh, thanks. By next episode as well. And or Barbie. And or Secret Invasion. Barbenheimer. And and hopefully uh, Secret Invasion will be done. So we should okay, so, we should be able to talk about it. All right. So everybody, you heard it here. Chris is bailing for next week. Yeah, we, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be across the country. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You did tell me you were doing that. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, Secret Invasion. Oppenheimer. Maybe Barbie. Maybe Barbie. Maybe Barbie. Yeah. Secret Invasion Heimer. Dude, three hours. Three hours on the nose. I love that it's three hours, zero minutes. We got this. You got this. I drink a lot of water. Yeah. Well, just don't that day. Dehydrate yourself. Or just see it early in the morning. Yeah, there you go. Just get your your 16 ounce and head to the theater. Yeah, exactly. And just see. Yeah, maybe I will. There you go. Good. good, uh, Probably not a lot of people. Hopefully. Uh, Well farewell everybody if you like this episode uh give us a give us a rating please we still very much uh, appreciate it and uh if you know anybody who you think would like hearing our voices talk about these things and hearing our cough drops and our coughs uh please share it with them <laughs> we're trying to grow grow the brand and um we'll see you next next week next next week bye love you bye See much on the on the notes. Oh, everything. We're we, talking about everything. We haven't talked in three weeks, Chris. We have to talk about a month's worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm reading mm-hmm. the notes. Mm-hmm. We got some stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.